Dreams, Family Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Denise. On this podcast, we share stories of what we have earned through our recovery. What happens beyond our wildest dreams because we are in recovery and we stay in recovery. This podcast has no affiliation with specific programs and the opinions are those of the guests only. We are open to all paths of recovery. Today's guest is Wendy. Um, many of you may know her on Recovery Posse on Twitter. Um, I was knowing her as Drink More Water, but her handle is actually at Starting To Be Sober. And uh, Wendy has been sober since January 2nd, 2021. So is a total uh, Zoom and COVID baby and lives in Texas as a mother of two grown children, a boy and a girl, and is a social worker and joins us today. Wendy, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, Denise. I am fabulous. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Well, thank you so much for, you know, making the time for us. I know that you have certainly been a favorite of mine that I have been following almost from day one that you've been on the posse. And I really consider you a friend. Uh, you've supported me over the last six, seven months. And I've really appreciated that both Charlie and I have with your daily tweets, your support. And you've been a great asset to people on Recovery Posse. And, um, you know, we've also had the opportunity to be in meetings together You've dropped into Canada a few times for a meeting, which has been great. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I really enjoyed, you know, getting to know you. And so I'm really glad that you were able to come and share your story with us today. And so why don't you start off by just giving the listeners an idea of, you know, what transpired that last day uh, in your addiction where it became obvious to you that recovery might be something you'd have to look into? You know, my story is so different um, from a lot of people. I do. I I didn't have that massive rock bottom that so many. I had a lot of yets left. Um, I still had a job. I still had a vehicle. I still had a place to live. I hadn't had horrible consequences yet. But it was January 1st, New Year's Day, and I was uh, in my apartment and had cleared two pitchers of mimosa and had moved on to gin and tonics. And I knew that my drinking was out of control. It was out of my control. And I um no idea what was going to happen after I got that first or second drink in me, how far I would go, how much I would drink. And usually it was everything in my apartment. So I'm making the decision, I'm going to try dry January and see how that works. You know, I'll prove something to myself that I'm not really an alcoholic. Mm. And the uh, drinking. I didn't pour everything out yet. It was still in my apartment. Uh, but I um, just made the decision that I was going to complete dry January. And once I set my mind to something, um, you can pretty much consider it a done deal. <laughs> so basically, it started out so you didn't really start out with any long term intention. Right. It was 
a short, I'll just try it for the month. So in the back of your mind, as you're describing that, um, you know, and I can relate a little bit. It's funny, like you say, your story isn't the same as most people's. You know, I was sober at 21. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I also fit in that classification of the yets. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, I didn't have severe, severe consequences. And I was a blackout drinker. So like yourself, one or two drinks were fine. And after that, I couldn't guarantee the outcome. So, you know, I think that, you know, we more a lot of people, we miss the yets, there was far, far more yets in me as well. And I think that that's a good point for people, because uh, Lisa actually um, Boucher wrote a book, Raising the Bottom, and the Mm -hmm. entire book is about that, Mm -hmm. that the bottom isn't always the rock bottom that you know we often hear about and so I think it's important for you to explain to people you know I still had a job I still had a vehicle I still had a place to live but it was the yes so obviously somewhere within yourself you knew that you know you wanted to test it out and see how it went because obviously I mean that's a lot of alcohol for one person in a day (laughs) right but that was typical for a weekend for me and uh, I, and I'm going to be 51 next month. So I'm a late bloomer when it comes to, um, to jumping into sobriety. You know, I, I look at these young people like yourself, 21, getting into recovery. And I think, oh, my goodness, you got your whole life ahead of you. But I wouldn't, I really wouldn't change a thing. I needed to face first as many times as I did um, to realize that I did not like the, I did not like myself when I was blackout or brownout drunk. And yeah. um, I didn't like the parent I was. I didn't like the employee I was. Uh, so dry January was um, was a test for myself. And the beginning of changing all of that, you obviously knew somewhere that you needed some type of change or shift. Right. right. So, you know, and I think there's varying degrees to that, you know. I have a sponsor who's come in at 62. Mm. And the thing is, is that, you know, I I can't say she's had the same thinking, but it's quite common that we will get that. People will say, oh, well, you sobered up so young. But, you know, I'm really seeing the value because there's a lot of years I wasted to just mucking around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, being dry, but not really paying too much attention. So I think sometimes I'm a person who's not that impressed with the period of time. I think, Mm. yes, look at it as an accomplishment, but I've known many, many people with many years and no days. For me, I'm really more concerned with the days sober. And so there was a lot of days that I wasted. So, you know, just because sometimes we've been here a long time doesn't mean we've necessarily, (laughs) uh, you know, made the most of it. So I think when you come in at 50, 60, whatever the case is, you know, I'm really learning from people who come in at a later age because, you know, there's more time behind them than in front of them and they need to get right down to it. And they seem Mm -hmm. to really recover so much quicker and seem to get things a lot faster. And maybe that's because I thought I had lots of time, you know, that arrogance of youth. (laughs) Right. And uh, so, you know, I had lots of time to get it. Well, no, really I didn't. I needed to get things a lot sooner than I did. So I really Mm -hmm. appreciate when people come in 50 plus and I can see, that they are just way more um, diligent about it. And so you had that change and now you're living a life of recovery. And 
I know how exciting it was. I remember seeing you on that day where you celebrated your first year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. So, um, you it remember was that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, I'm surprised I didn't cry the whole way through. I didn't start crying until I talked about the recovery posse and how Twitter had been such and expected to find recovery. Well, and you know, your story is kind of unique as well, because one thing that really st- stuck out for me is being in a 12 step program. I just really am curious if you could discuss with the listeners and tell them a bit about having been in the program for the bulk of the first five months with no sponsorship. So why don't you, and that you were still able to stick with it and how important the posse was. So why don't you tell us about that? Sure. I uh, started my Twitter account probably the second or third day of dry January and um was really really it, it mainly was a place for me to anonymously voice my concerns and my progress and what i was thinking and feeling and i needed a place to i wasn't talking about it with anyone and um so i needed a place to share my thoughts and so i started my twitter account and then all of a sudden i had all of these friends who understood and who were giving me support and sometimes and um, advice when I asked for it, sometimes when I didn't ask for it. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I, I pretty soon about two weeks in, I, you know, I want to go back into reading my journals from back then. I see that I was just, I was falling in love with sobriety. And about two weeks in, I said, I don't want to go back to the way I was living. I want to continue doing this. I mean, even my handwriting started getting better. Wow. In two weeks, you came to that conclusion. I, it felt so good. And I was so proud of myself and I was so ready to, with something outside of me, having control of me that I, um, I jumped right into listening to sober podcasts and I start, of course, multiple times a day with Twitter. And it was in the first month I purchased the big book because I thought, you know, I better just go ahead and read this and see if I identify with any of it. So you know, my routine coming home from work every day was come home, pour a drink and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And now I was coming home, brewing a, a cup of tea and reading a chapter out of the big book. And then nice. during the day, inhaling all of these sober podcasts. And it was probably two and a half months, three months before I actually went to a 12 step meeting on Zoom. Uh, didn't like it at first, so I, you know, kind of tip-tapped around and found one that really, a women's group that really is, has been my kind of, and I didn't have a sponsor until I was about five months in. I didn't want to have a sponsor. I didn't think I needed one. I was going through the steps on my own. I'm in therapy. I went, did my first fifth step, which was a complete joke with my therapist, and, um, and it was getting more involved in the Zoom 12-step arena um, that I was kind of, they kind of pressured me 
into getting a sponsor. I didn't want to because I don't like to be told what to do. I was going to say, before you go any further, I'm just curious. So um, with that, do you think as well a piece of the not being told what to do? I mean, that's common with all of us. Mm -hmm. And like they, you know, say they can tell an alcoholic one thing, nothing. Uh, (laughs) And the other thing is, is what, you know, for me, it was the accountability. I didn't want to have to be accountable to anybody once I made that commitment because I'm the type of alcoholic and it sounds like maybe you are where I'm all in or I'm all out. There's nothing in between. So if I committed to that type of relationship, how I'd seen how it worked, then I would have to be all in and I'd have to be accountable. (laughs) Well, I, I was ready to be it my way. I didn't want me okay well now you have to this is your you know your next I you know have I mean I'm a woman I've been told what to do my entire and And there are people in the programs and there are people like you said that you will get advice unsolicited and there are people who have very definite ways because there's many many different paths but there's people who've got definite ways that they do things Mm -hmm. and so you know that can be a problem but I begrudgingly finally got a sponsor who um, I actually got a sponsor online uh, who lives in California. And she was actually the one who turned me um, kind of towards this room that I'm really involved with. And, uh, and that in through going to that zoom room, I was, I finally kind of decided, okay, I need to have, so went to an in-person meeting and found somebody who was roughly around my age and checked around, made sure she was working good program, got some um, recommendations from uh, a couple of people and started working with this person. And this person took me through the steps and, um, we worked together for probably two or three months and then it went, I stopped working with her and I was sponsorless for several months. And uh, again, and what I felt like, you know, I've got this, I got this, I don't need anybody's help, you know? And And that's uh, quite common feeling. Yeah. And then I got to around my anniversary, uh, my sober anniversary in, in January and uh, found myself drain and white knuckling it and not being a real happy camper and being not, I'd lost my serenity. And so my, my zoom ladies were like, um, you know, it's suggested that you get a sponsor. Like it's suggested that you put (laughs) if you're going to jump out of a plane. So why don't you do, why don't you try what we're telling you, see if it works and, you know, get back to us. Let it, let us know how that goes with for you. So um, I got a a sponsor who's got multiple decades of sobriety and it is night and day. She is such a fabulous human and I am learning so much from her and I'm just um, really happy with my decision to work with her. And you see, I think the important thing of what you're saying 
is first of all, there was periods of time that you were on your own doing it and you didn't have a sponsor, but you still didn't give up. You stuck with the posse. You, I'm too stubborn. I'm much you, too stubborn to quit. <laughs> yeah. And maybe people that maybe don't have the same stubbornness, but you know, it's still good for them to know, don't give up, still go on there, still check in. People are looking, people are hearing you. They are seeing you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a great support. And, you know, the other thing to really, I think, to be realistic about is, let's face it, alcoholics come in all personalities, all types, all Mm -hmm. definitions. And the thing is, is that don't be afraid to change a sponsor. I mean, I've had multiple sponsors in my recovery. I've had, I mean, my last sponsor who passed away last year, I had had her probably on and off for 20 years, the Mm -hmm. longest Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that I've had other sponsors as well. A couple of them have passed. And I've had a variety by working with different people. I've mm-hmm. had a real variety. We can learn, you know, it's, it doesn't say anywhere that once we enter into this sponsorship relationship, that we're married to this person and that, you know, we have to do everything their way and that we can never separate from them, you know. We learn what we can from the people. And if it doesn't work, it's kind of not a personal thing. Not everyone's going to be a fit. So it's a great thing that you identified that and that you knew it was okay Mm -hmm. to make another choice. And And like yourself, I got a great sponsor the next time. Yeah. And just because I stopped working with that first sponsor doesn't mean that we can't be friends. I mean, we see each other, we see each other in meetings. Um, It was a little bit weird at first, but you know, we have crossed that bridge. She has told me that the, the way we, you know, that I told her that I couldn't work with her anymore and why made her a better sponsor. She's working with now. And that's the whole thing, because it's it's a relationship of two people. So there has to be growth with both people. Mm -hmm. You know, the one thing I love the most in my own meeting is it says that sponsor and sponsee meet as equals. And, you know, that is the whole thing. I think we have to remember we must meet as equals. And when you truly find someone that's a fit and you truly find somebody that is an equal, the relationship really shifts and really changes. And in the beginning, we don't know what we're looking for. So, you know, we put people on pedestals and then we make different choices and then we're disappointed when we find out they're just like we are. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's a natural process that we can go through. But, you know, I've seen really good terminations of sponsorships. I've seen people who don't talk to each other for 20 years. And, Mm. you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's good what you're saying. Like, you know, um, as long as both people are learning something and taking something away from it. Right. And she did. She took away that, hey, you know, maybe I need to change a few things and it's made me better. Mm-hmm. And then you moving on has made you better. And, and I've always about- ended up with the right sponsors at the right time mm-hmm. of my life. And yeah. I think it sounds like that's how it's going to work for you. And it makes that difference to have that person, you know. I don't know in other recovery programs, I, I mean, because I've always been involved in 12 step, it would just, you know, I, my sponsor today is wonderful. And the thing is, if I did not have that go-to person, 
I just, in that connection, mm-hmm. I would be lost. And uh, so, you know, I have great gratitude for, for people who are great sponsors yeah, and committed to it. So then it brought you up to your one year. Mm-hmm. And um, so how do you see things now, now that you've come through the process, you've had that early experience of finding out what works for you and what doesn't and then changing it. Right. I know that recently you were on a another podcast yes which was how so i exciting. met my mother sober right podcast. so you yes know, let's give them a plug and uh so we'll look forward to hearing you on that and is that in a week that is going to be dropping on monday the uh february 21st perfect and then we'll drop this one a week later Perfect. so you know the thing is and that's good experience too because it's good for people to get their stories out there and I love the fact that you know you're you're truthful and you have this whole story you know there's a lot of stories about the depths of the addiction and the Mm -hmm. deep consequences I think it's really important to have your type of story as well where you know what I'm still productive in my job. I'm productive in my life, but I drink too much. And, you know, I've just prevented the yes. And I think that's important, too, that we have that balance. And so what would you think, say today, if you had to think of a few things that you consider would be beyond your wildest dreams, things that you know that you are experiencing today that you absolutely couldn't do or wouldn't experience if you didn't stay in recovery? Love of self. I am, I have such a, um, or I've had such a history of really poor negative self-talk and I can be really, really mean to myself. So The process of becoming sober and being in recovery and doing the work on the emotional sobriety, which is where both my feet are right now is in emotional sobriety, is getting really uh, beautiful with the way I'm treating myself. And I chose not to date that whole first year and I'm still not dating. I may in the future, but that's not today. And uh, I have been focusing on being my own best friend and dating myself, loving nice. myself first. And that has been such a, an awakening for the way I treat myself and talk to myself that I will never jeopardize in the future. And um, it makes me a better mother, makes me a better employee, makes me more present uh, my focus. I'm a better friend. I'm so, um, and I'm just, you know what it boils down to. I'm so darn proud of myself. Nice. And everybody on recovery posse is proud of you. Oh, (laughs) it's going to make me cry. (laughs) Everybody in your Canadian group that you attend is, is proud of you. And I'm proud of everyone there. The thing is, is that, you know, how wonderful that you made a decision one day just to try dry January. Mm -hmm. And out of that has come the ripple effect. And this is why we talk about the families. The ripple effect has trickled down to the children. Having a better mother, it's trickled down to your employer having a better employee. And the Mm -hmm. type of work you do specifically, that's important. Mm -hmm. And then trickles right down to 
how you are interacting with other humans. And, you know, that's quite a gift. You know, I've, I've said from the very beginning, the choice to, um, you know, put the, the plug in the jug and enter recovery was the kindest, most generous gift I have ever given myself. And you know what? As a result, we get all that kindness and gift from you. I hope so. That's, you know, it, it just, there's so much in my heart. It's got to bubble out somewhere. So I'm glad that all of my, uh, the people that I love uh, and my, my uh, cyber family feels it too. Well, and I know that on behalf of Charlie and I, we can thank you for your generosity and kindness that we've experienced. And I really appreciate my friendship with you. And I appreciate our interactions every day on Twitter. And I just want to really thank you for coming, Wendy. And sharing today, and I wish you all best success and just get out there and live your life beyond your wildest dreams. I will. I've loved this experience. Thank you so much for inviting me. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay.